0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Beyond the Rules podcast. I'm your host, Steven Batista, and with me is the distinguished gentleman himself, Curtis Dugar. Hey, Curtis. What's going on, my man? How you doing? I'm good. Number two. Look at that. Progression. That's
1: right. It's building, <laughs> bro. It's building.
0: Yeah, man. It's building. That's, that's all it's about. I think people can feel that, too. The first uh, episode, I got a lot of good feedback, and, you know, of course, it was all family, but still.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Hey, hey,
0: what Speaking personally, setting goals and accomplishing them. And I was two days off from the release goal. You know, I wanted to do Sunday and it came out Tuesday. So it's not bad at all. Yeah, I I appreciate the hustle, man. man. So this next episode is going to be about a subject that is kind of like the essence of Beyond the Rules. Because... At least for me, it's something that is learned on the job. It can be told and, and articulated in ways by, you know, more seasoned officials, uh, such as yourself, but it is something that there's no written way to absorb it, that, that that sort of knowledge and instinct. And the subject is preventative officiating. Now, I could draw on about it, but I'm not the expert. So, so Curtis, what do you got to say about preventive officiating?
1: What, again, excites me about this podcast is a lot of the things that we're talking about you know a lot of things that you know we find and feel are transferable to you know real life and the situations that we navigate as humans you know can be you know connected to what we do on and off the field or court or whatever our our specialty is so I think preventative officiating is a part of what we should be doing every day as humans. You know, we should be really thinking about how do we ensure that we're not putting ourselves or a situation, a potential situation at risk because we're failing to think proactively about how we manage people or manage a situation. You know, we should always be thinking about, you know, what's, you know, what's the best course of action as we engage individuals, players, coaches, fans uh, in a way that addresses behavior so that way it doesn't come up. Um, as an issue um, down the road, you know? So, um, so I guess as we get the conversation started, I would begin with that, you know, like how are we thinking about in our, in our lives as officials or as individuals, how are we thinking about being proactively engaged and addressing things in a, in a manner that, uh, that empowers the people around us to think about their choices, about how they, how they choose to facilitate what they have an opportunity to be responsible for and that's how you know. I think for us as officials, you know, that that gives us an opportunity to not only establish a rapport and manage that rapport, but then also, you know, to empower individuals to you know take care of you know the things that they're responsible for before before it becomes an issue.
0: Exactly, it's uh, better to have the knowledge and not need it than need the knowledge and not have it. And I think that preventive fishing, like it, it's 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 a very learned and experienced thing i i felt like i understood the concept as a you know novice official but you know the like i said the articulation points can only happen when it when it actually happens and you realize how things could have not happened if you did exactly what prevent officiating is it's sort of to mitigate your uh an official's involvement you know you you were there to like we want to show up in the least possible times <laughs> and if we can do that before we have to show up and and prevent it from happening that's like i said it's a good life thing i think you know it's something absolutely. that absolutely absolutely. what are some examples you know notable ones and and that have just happened to you and then ones that are like sort of a standard you think and we'll use baseball as a as yeah. an example yeah
1: yeah no this is the beginning of our season and you know and i'm i'm really blessed to be able to work with some great umpires you know here in the pa jersey area and uh, you know we were just working this past week and
0: don't be afraid to shout out names so if they listen to the podcast they can feel happy about it. yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'll do that thing. I don't, I don't yeah that. but i think you know i think you know for me you know it's been great um to just you know brush off the rush chips right like i mean we're, we're just getting back into this we're switching from one sport to the other and you know for me as we're getting into this you know we're 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 becoming more comfortable with like new rules that we're implementing at the same time, which we're thinking about our mechanics and protocols and things like that. So, um, you know, working at three day game and, you know, I'm, I got the clock in one hand, but then also, you know, making sure that we're preventative officiating, you know, so on both sides, my partner and I are looking and you know, pointing at things and making sure like we're getting, you know, players back into the, into the dugout and, you know, cause players love to come out. They don't like to sit in the dugout at all, which protects them, but, you know, they like to come out and talk and cheer and all kind of stuff. And, you know, it's just those type of things that, you know, just this week, you know, we had to a couple of times, you know, make sure the coaches understood that they got to get the players in the, in the dugout. Um, but then also, you know, just ensuring that, you know, how we communicate to coaches is by protocol. There's ways in which we need to make sure that, you know, coaches are aware of, the, the, the leash that exists, you know, and, you know, as much as we may feel uh, a certain way to say certain things, we have to make sure they understand that, hey, preventative officiating, we want to make sure we keep you in the game, you know, so, hey, you know, coach you, by rule, you cannot argue balls and strikes, you know, if you can see you down this road, I'll have to issue a warning, right? That's not what I want to say in my head, right? <laughs> because they're coming out asking for something that they, 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 they're they fighting for their team, they're wanting that, that, that pitch, strike, or ball, whatever we want, they're they're yeah, coming
0: they out they seem to gain from a competitor's angle
1: correct correct so um so from a preventative standpoint you know we have to make sure that we're being proactive about a situation to occur that we could have managed before it turned into something bigger right mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's throughout the entire game contest whatever it's gonna be so that's an example you know and especially early on in the season now's the time to really get sharp on in the ways in which we pro- preventatively you know, communicate and set the standard for what's expected for that contest. Um, so that way, you know, when it's time to hold folks accountable, there's no surprise when it comes to what is levied because of the behavior that's being demonstrated.
0: And I think too, um, it sets a precedent of, uh, okay, well, this co- this umpire is not here to, to mess around. You know, he's coming out here. It's you present yourself. You know, and, and 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 it's not a projection. It's just, hey, I'm letting you know in a certain, no uncertain terms that. I'm in control and I'm not in control just because I am an authority I'm in control because I know what I know the game and I want to help facilitate as best as we can, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can trust me on that. Mm
1: -hmm. It's a question for you, you know, like, you know, I, I I don't have children, you know, you do congratulations. Mm -hmm. Tell me about, you know, a scenario where you've been preventative in your parenting we we all know that the stove is hot right you know so how many times have you told
0: you know it's funny because uh just a little bit ago um earlier today my daughter when i took her to school but we were walking to the car rather and she instead of walking closer to the garage side she walked behind the cars which is the street side and i keep telling her not to do that and i said you know because she says, I know it's one of those things where I'm not going to tell a coach or a child, but you don't know. But what I'm going to say is no, but I have to say this because if I don't, you know, I, I'm not doing anything a, a, a favor. And if you, if it's up to you to not listen and eventually if you keep doing that and you're setting a precedent of, Hey, I'm, I'm, we're on this, we have the same mission here. They have the a scope that is as small as the coaches. It's different, but they're very tunnel vision. The kid is a kid and they don't think in perspectives. They, they don't even have self-awareness, you know? So it's hard for them to, to think beyond themselves and that as a job of a parent and an umpire, you have to to use other people's heads to think with instead of your brain. You, you Using your brain can only get you so far as, as, as in so much as the rules. Beyond that, it's about what do you want out of this game? What do you want out of going out to dinner? What is the goal? And if your goal is to facilitate essentially a one-minded person who can be frenetic for whatever reason, competition, or being a toddler. You got to get the most out of that and you got to guide them. It takes patience and it takes knowing the the room, but it takes more than that thinking as the other person and allowing them to understand that, Hey man, I'm not just trying to like be an authority here. I'm trying to facilitate this for for everyone. And, And also it's not about you too. That's the thing. Projecting, a situation is not about you like uh, I think parents and umpires get involved uh, with themselves too much and they make they make it about themselves and they don't realize that there are other people involved so but, you know, but yeah I, it's it's it, it is uh it is definitely something that's transferable to real life for sure
1: yeah yeah you know I think you said something that that resonated you know um, when you were you know using the metaphor with your kids it's you know like with kids, they're, they're they're in the moment. They're focused on what is in front of them, right? Like they're, you know, they're locked on that toy or locked on that food or whatever. And, you know, and how you're communicating with them may not resonate because they're in their particular sphere of comfort and control, mm-hmm. right? That's very similar to players. You know, that's very similar to coaches. Yeah, and it's also and very little that- of their
0: control. They, like coaches too, they, especially coaches, there's very little of their control because they're operating through their team. They can only yeah. go, you know, so yeah. they're frenetic, yeah. you know, and kids are operating through you. So it, it is very, there's a lot of parallels. Well, they should be operating through
1: us. And I think that's where the preventative piece comes in because although they may be aware of the rules, right, they, they know what the rules are, but very often they move away from functioning through the rules, which makes our job as officials that much more important to ensure that they they move back in alignment with the rules and the system Mm -hmm. in place. So that way, because they're players and they're locked in, they're thinking about the batting or the pitching or the fielding or whatever it is, they're excited to get up to the plate, whatever it is, they may be, you know, two or three people on that swing, right? We have to be looking for those things. So that way there isn't an infraction that leads to something bigger, right? Um, With the time clock, right? We have to ensure that you know, everyone understands like, Hey, the clock is running. Y'all got to go ahead and get to where y'all need to be without violating that time clock. So that way we don't have something bigger. Pitching coaches don't want to start off an inning with a ball, but at the same time, there's an alignment there with the rule that keeps things paced and in an in alignment with, with that system and structure, right? So for us, how we think about our connection with the players, our communication with the coaches, um, and ultimately, how we ensure that everybody knows that we're engaged with the game is is pivotal to how we preventatively ensure that everybody stays in alignment with where the game is going. Otherwise, yeah. the game is going to flow in ways that will just have stuff ready and and hot for chaos. just chaos and and that's where definition of a good official kind of begins, right? Like how do yeah. we take care of the stuff? So that way it doesn't become stuff.
0: A definition of great official, because a good official knows the rules, but a great official knows the game. Right. 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 And I want to, so if people listening, we're going to cover the rule changes, the time clock and stuff like that. So it might sound foreign to somebody who's not paying attention or, or even if you are paying attention and don't know the insideness of those, the rules, uh, we're going to time it around – I want to time it around opening day so people can have a little more relevance. And Curtis has been – and NCAA umpires in general have been doing it for for l- longer, right? How many years have this been – it's not the first year, right?
1: Well, this is the year where, I mean, the major time changes have been implemented. So now we're, you know, 22nd pitch clock. You, know, 10 so you had
0: more guy, of an adjustment right? period. It, a, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Like, like last year is I think when we started to really move in that direction. But this year is really the – implementation
0: yeah Yeah. it's gonna be crazy this year it's gonna be nuts it's gonna be Mm -hmm. interesting we're gonna have a lot Mm -hmm. of a lot of uh, material to talk about so another thing too uh like kids and and coaches i can't stress enough they have a set goal uh, and that is you know you have to be a figure where it's not about them i understand your goal is to win coach but the game you cannot win fairly if I don't hold accountable everybody to the set of rules and a way to get in front of that is to explain and, and be, you know, there's hardly any sense of over-communication. I'm not going to coach up kids, but I'm going to coach up the situation. So maybe it changes for the better. But another thing I always say is I'm not criticizing, I'm just analyzing. So yeah, you know, it's, it's very, it's a, it is a core thing to learn beyond the rules.
1: I'm in total agreement, you know, and that, that preventative piece changes a, a, a little bit, you know, because you don't, when you, when you go into that collegiate realm or professional realm, you know, it's more so just managing the ball game. You're not really they coaching, you're right, right. They know what they're doing, you know, they so know. Um, so it's really about managing situations and ensuring that the game is, is flowing in the appropriate ways and just managing, you know, personnel, managing players, managing coaches, all of those things. But, you know, yes, as we, you know, deal with, you know, younger you know, populations, maybe not as experienced populations. You know, there's times when we as officials, you know, our preventative platform is of a mentorship um, on the field as well, you know, ensuring that, you know, players uh, understand, you know, what is expected and what's necessary in order for them to perform in the ways in which they want to perform. So there's numerous calls for preventative um, engagement that I think again, it's transferable to the ways in which we function in, a, in our day-to-day livelihood, you know.
0: I, I, I spurned the thought that I forgot to go back to parenting. One of the things is I don't want my kids to ever look at me as a necessary evil and as a source of information that's going to be dishonest, right? So you're going to make mistakes. One of the things I always say is there isn't a bad call if you didn't see it you're not going to be everywhere at once. And sometimes the positioning is just going to be out of the realm of possibility to, to see it accurately. And you don't want to guess. And that's another thing you should never do. If you're trusted enough and you built up a lot of capital in your game because of communication and because of preventing officiating, you can get the benefit of telling a coach, Hey, I didn't see it. And there shouldn't be a conversation after that, regardless, but it shouldn't be a shutdown thing where they just have to accept it. Like, oh well, I'm, I'm not going to change his mind. They can accept it because, okay, well, this guy's being honest. What what else am I going to do? Well, he didn't see it. Am I going to tell him to do better? Are you really going to do that? You know, like, so that respect factor it it transfers to your kid. I don't have to give them details. I talk to them in a way that is to each kid, and they're they're both different. You know, one's going to be eight, and the other one just turned two, but we communicate to them. My wife and I, we don't, we don't bullshit them. We, we omit details for the sake of, you know, audience, but we're still honest. And I think that's exactly that capital built on letting a coach knows like, I don't want to make this about me. You know, I think a lot of officials make it about them or they, they're not as good. So they're inconsistent in a way that a coaching user would be like, you're making it about yourself or you suck. And you don't want that. Do You want them to always be able to come to you and know they're going to get an honest answer because they're going to get that answer somewhere else. And if they start finding out that there's a better source of information, that is hard to come back from. And I think as a whole, we got to shake this uh, necessary evil thing. When Curtis comes on the field and when I go on the field, the reputation should be about umpires, not just necessarily about us. I think uh, this podcast, as it grows and we get more people involved, involved and more voices we there can be something of a community where there is a, a thread that binds us to respect of the job and the trade because you don't feel alone and that's why parents too it takes a village that's a you know a very parental saying so so yeah man this is a great second subject to lead off especially with the big, with the season coming up for young umpires and older umpires to just you know you never stop learning and there's always ways to communicate to coaches or and within the game itself that prevents you from having to make a call because it didn't happen you prevented it yeah i think that i think that's pretty good unless unless you have some like real wild examples that like you understand that it saved you or prevented like communicating to a coach manifested in the game where see coach i told you you know or something like that
1: Right, right. I mean, not necessarily any wild examples, but I, I think, you know, I, I think where, where where your point is leading, um, which I appreciate, is every official is is unique. You know, everyone's coming to officiating with their own personality, with their own background and, and experience level and history, lived experience, like all of that stuff. And part of you know the official being on the on on that field or on that court or whatever it is is you know you know at that plate meeting you know being able to to demonstrate to those coaches and maybe the captains or whatever it's going to be this is who I am you know and 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 this is you know my partner and and, and we're here to work this contest you know so let's let's go to the ground rules real quick let's, let's talk about the rules of this contest do you have any questions like and. Not making it about them, but making it so that from the from the jump, There's a tone. Ev- everybody understands what our purpose is on the field. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that we, you know, our character is less than that. We don't have a authentic presence on the field or court. None of that stuff. You no, know, it's it's about us being able to present a level of professionalism and assertiveness when it comes to us demonstrating that we're going to be present and engaged in all of the ways to ensure that that contest has the highest level of integrity, period. And I think that's the work that we, we all have to continuously work on. So that way, there is no question mark when it comes to, you know, what we're trying to communicate and how we're trying to be preventative. So that way, when it comes to situations uh, and the management of those situations, we're crystal clear when it comes to the expectations. Managing the ball game is part of the officiating. It's a big part of it, and that's why I say it's good. It, 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 it's, it's the part that makes us good at officiating. The other part of it is that us actually working the ballgame game, with the context, right? And I think that that coupled with us doing, you know, all that we can to independently officiate, you know, allows for us to be seen as somebody who's very invested in what those teams are working to accomplish, which is to you know to perform at their highest within the the, the regulations and, and and the construct of that particular ball game or
0: context. That there should be a more psychological element to it that it can be understood, hey, we all have our styles and approaches, but there's a thread of truth, like preventive officiating, that we can offer you the skills for, to, so you can formulate how to do it. And we trust that you'll do it in your way and it'll get done optimally. And it'll look completely different from when I do it, when you do it, but the game gets done. think coaches get shortchanged in in their pursuit of a fair game and wanting to get the right outcome whether they win or lose
1: absolutely um for the most part yes i agree (laughs) with that yeah yeah, yeah. for the most part
0: yeah yeah. i I mean i could ask you on your your level in SEAA, you know do do you run into coaches who have sort of like an ego beyond the game
1: i mean everybody has ego so you know i i think um, when the word like you
0: felt like they they were more about themselves than the w
1: I think everyone has ego, uh, even, even the officials have ego, right? I think all coaches are working for their, 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 team, their contests, you know, their, their players, their, their institution. And, you know, their personality comes out when it's time to work. These are, these are good people and th- this is their profession, right. Um, at, at the level that I work. So this is their job and, uh, and, and they're coming out, you know, wanting to see their team perform and, and to, and to wanting to prevail, you know, in the contest. So prior to the game, you know, like we may see their personality. You may see them being able to crack a smile. Like, you know, some previous relationships may come through in those initial conversations, which is great for some new officials may not be that much because they they don't know us. Right. They don't know, they don't know individuals. It's like a first date. Um, Kind of. It's something. This is an evaluation for sure.
0: Um, (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's like an interview.
1: Right, but at the same time, you know, once that that plate meeting breaks, and you know, we've done, you know, lineups and 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 the anthem, and you know, it's ready to rock. That switch is flipped, and mm-hmm. everyone is now locked in. Um, and that's why I say, you know, the ego is a part of all of that piece because once once we say play, it's about the contest. And I think that's where, when we talk about personal development through you know this profession that we have, this occupation that we we invest in, I think part of it is, is how do we ensure that we're developing personally while doing this occupation, this hobby that we turn into, you know, a job or, or, for you know, most of us, for some, you know, it's, it's a full-time kind of gig, but how do we use these skill sets that we get a chance to practice on these fields and courts and things and apply it to our daily life? Uh, because there's times when we got to flip the switch and we got to be about business. We have to ensure that the business of the contest is the priority and coaches respect when we adhere to the protocol. They, they go mm-hmm. through the same, you know, very similar meetings when it comes to, Hey, let's talk about the rules, rule changes, you know, things that we're implementing that. Yeah. So now they're expecting us to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they hate us, you know, like, or, or, or you know, none of that stuff it's about, okay, they, okay, so this is what we, it. right. They, they, they definitely should expect it because that's how they're going to train their players to perform mm-hmm. or, they attempt to, you know, get them to perform at that level because that's what they're told are the rules. The inconsistency of us doing that then creates a challenge, right? And and, and that's where the misconceptions of who coaches are versus what they're expecting of officials uh, gets gets, gets a bad rap. And and, and, um, so I think consistency, regardless of who we are and how we approach the game, how we go about implementing the rules um, and communicating those in a very preventative way, so that way coaches have an opportunity to make adjustments and to coach their team um, accordingly. Get, gives them an opportunity to, you know, get their team to perform in a way where they can hopefully be successful. So,
0: yeah, yeah. But if you yeah, can but, anticipate it, you know, it's gonna absolutely. It's gonna absolutely. lessen the guesswork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a, couple, a couple of points. Uh, one of the things I think when you have that ability to articulate and prevent things when you have to make that hard call, you have more balls in your call because you already spoke it out loud. This is how it is. And, and it gives you more confidence. And I think uh, something interesting that you said, uh, umpiring and something like your personality is part of the job and you, it's hard to be robotic about it. It could be affected if you're not progressing personally. You know, and if you offer stagnation to yourself in your life as, a, as an individual and as a man and as a, a woman, your maturity levels don't rise. Your game as an umpire and as a fisher, as a judge, as a trusted judge, how can you really do one without the other? I think that is pretty interesting. What about you? I agree. Tell I mean, me a little think, bit more. I mean, I, I'll just say that, at least for me, I think that my personality is indicative to it's transferable either way, you know, like it really, they feed off of each other Mm -hmm. and I'm sure other people can be robotic and maybe that it offers escapism too. You know, I'm not saying like as a standard, but like there, there is something too, like it can offer you to step your game up in life. You know, maybe there's the best umpire in the world who is an asshole every minute that he's outside of blue, you know, and doesn't progress in life, but he just knows the game and is trusted in that way. There can be that thing. Like I said, it is a very relative thing, but there's still a standard. Like there is a law, you know, and you gotta, yeah, you know, yeah, you gotta figure out a way to get it out there.
1: I think I think officials have to, especially uh, officials who are, you know, youth and you know, and aspiring to move up. You know, we have to find out how do we individually uh, find that that sweet spot where we can authentically function as officials while being consistent in the implementation of the rules um, and and how we manage ball games so that way we're actively being preventative towards the ways in which uh, coaches players engage during that contest you know us us honoring yeah there's a perception and 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 again honoring all of the officials and, and respecting who they are how they show up and demonstrate that they're ready to officiate is a major priority because you know I think that diversity in our officiating community um, has to be recognized we have differing officials at different levels with differing interests and all those other things that has to be a priority and, and so so that way we retain our folks but I think the other piece of this is is the expectation within the community of folks to be ready to officiate at the levels expected has to be there as well um, because if we're going to be a preventative official we got to be ready to be, uh, engaged as a preventative official, and if folks yeah. aren't ready to, at the tip-off, at the first pitch, or whatever it is, uh or even before then, as we talked about at the pre-game, you know, with the coaches and the, and mm-hmm. the captains, or whatever it is, the already, is already that assumption of what that game is going to be like is is set in, and yeah, now and there's going to be can't get it out of there it, can't, yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. until the game's that, over.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And, um, and sometimes it, it, it can be rollover it, minutes too, where it'll exactly, follow you sometimes.
1: Exactly. Now there are situations where you know everything is tight and set at that pregame. You already set the tone for what it's going to be because you were ready at that pregame, professional, all those type of things. Now you have to start preventively communicating to individuals, letting them know, hey, this is what will and will not take place today. So let's make sure mm-hmm. we're on the same page right now. Right. Yeah. And utilizing the legal, the the, the 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 jargon that we're trained to use to communicate effectively, so that way we're 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 empowering the coach, we're empowering the players to fall in the line alignment with the expected behavior, so that way things you know begin to flow smoothly for everyone involved in that contest. That those are the skill sets that have to be mastered. And like I said, you know I'm in I'm in week one, so week, week one or two. So getting out there. And just getting back into the groove of, you know, how we communicate, how we move, how we ensure that folks know that, you know, the expected, you know, rules and expectation, all those of things are in, in place is something that, again, I think about, you know, at work, how do I ensure that those things are in place so that way my team can be successful doing the things that we have to do or how I communicate with my family so that way they understand what's going on in my world and how we, you know, like all those things, these are transferable skills that I think make us better as people but as officials the spotlight's on us to set that tone so that with those contests those teams they know what to do they can get after it and we're we're barely noticed
0: yeah and it allows you to slow down when you have an anticipation point because you're not having to think on the fly you know and it really in all sports but I speak for wrestling you you have to really know the options that are can happen and have a Sort of response that you know you're going to give to that, and it's got to be queued up. And the more you can communicate that verbally, or the more you can communicate that through your body language, the more it lessens questions about the call. And for instance, of uh, now we know, like a, a coach brought it to our attention, uh, it was a semifinals wrestling. When it gets to this point, there's an assistant referee, and similar to uh, two uh, two men going to three men, a lot of people don't know how to be an assistant referee because it only happens at the time when it's you know most important so we had three referees there and what was it was assistant whistle timekeeper and we were rotated now the tournament coaches are used to a new referee per match that you it's an individual thing but at a duel it's usually the same referee so we rotated and so the head referee was a different head referee for every match at the end of it the coach who lost he's tomville coach he came up to me, he's like man you're all great. You all did a good job, but I didn't know how to anticipate anything. He's like, your stall call came like this. Your stall kick came like that. And for the finals, it was just one referee for the whole duel. We brought that to the attention of everybody. And it was a good idea. You are in a mindset of this is a team thing. You know, it's not a tournament where it's individual. There is a mindset. And for people who don't are, are not in the the game in that way, you have to hear a coach out, you know, and he said it in a very communicative way, like, I want everybody to know my feelings. You can do whatever you want, but I think it's pretty valid. It was valid. And that's another thing that too, I would hope to give voice to certain coaches and interviews and we could challenge each other on both perspectives and whether we disagree or or agree, we both have prevented the the sort of doubt and dishonesty and it didn't come out of nowhere too. So, you know, I think that last thing before we go, we mentioned it in the last podcast that we're going to talk about the Super Bowl because it was going to be part of that episode, but it got cut off. The audio wasn't that great. The only thing I want to talk about from that game was the fact that Curtis definitely steered me more to, I was on the opposite side of, this, of that. It shouldn't have been called, even though it was a holding call. I think sometimes a referee's job is to measure the importance of the infraction to the play versus the call to the overall game. And in my opinion, the holding call didn't impact the, the play as much as the call impacted the game. Irrelevant because of the point that Curtis made was that, in his opinion, which is very esteemed and should be listened to more than mine, (laughs) is that Mahomes saw that play map itself out, realized that there was no play, but that he saw the hold through the ball in that direction, so it can influence the call. And there has to be some sort of reward with that. And also, it was a hold. Am I representing your point right?
1: Yeah, I think you know, Mahomes read that there was an infraction and the the, the energy towards, you know, reading and, and knowing that, you know, you shouldn't throw the flag because of the type of situation. And, and that's yeah. that's where we get into trouble as officials. You know, our job is to officiate the play and the Eagles losing is not the official's fault or responsibility. And, and the Eagles being in that situation, isn't the official's response? Yeah, I mean, they could be colorless, um,
0: you know, and they, the, you, the, correct, the, the score correct. could be, you know, ambivalent. I'm just saying, correct. reading the play, like there was a sense of reading the play. And the play was read. Yeah. No, it was. And, it was. Yeah. And it
1: yeah, was read. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and there was an infraction. And, you know, it's not the Chiefs' fault that the holding that took, that actually happened twice, um, mm-hmm. the Chiefs read that and saw that there was an infraction and made sure that the ball was thrown in that direction to amplify the fact that there was an infraction. Like that that that's smart football. Um it happens in most games, you know, when someone thinks that there's you know a hold or a passing affairs or things like that. Like if there's an infraction, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put the pressure on the official to throw the flag, right? Oh, yeah. Because so in that situation, the official definitely did the right thing because there's 28 cameras looking right at that play. And if that individual holds the flag, regardless of the, the direction that the official takes, there's going to be scrutiny on the official, right? Like, oh, he didn't throw the flag, you know, that should have been a halt or or what happened during
0: the Super Bowl. So, you know Yeah, I understand the danger element of, mm-hmm. uh, there is no danger when you made the right call. That right, is what right, it is. Right, right. Yeah. Right, and I and right. I totally that is your job. That mm-hmm, that's your job. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so and we've it seen is, it. Sorry, you can, no, no, I was just saying, like, I had that in my, like, not to say that I would lean on the sort of reading the game. Like, I, from a, that's, that is an extra perspective that I can see offered, but not at that level, too. And that's the other thing. Maybe in rec football or something like that, you'd be like, oh, I'm not going to hold that. You know, that wasn't You know, that it, it didn't do anything. But this is the Super Bowl. Mahomes and Reed are geniuses. And, you're free of scrutiny if the call was the right call was made. You know, it's not like the saints and getting really screwed over because there was no call made on that uh, pass interference back in, uh, a couple of years ago. Like, yeah. Do I think there would have been scrutiny because the hold was, it wasn't that egregious? No, I don't, I don't think people would have gone out of their way to be like, that should have been a call, but it it does, that's irrelevant to the call to the play happening the way it did and the call being the right call. So I just want to re-bring that up. We talked about that like four times already. And I think we finally got the, we finally got the hang of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that was a great discussion. I hope it was informative for people, you know, preventative fishing, Like I said, it is really something that is a, a linear threat throughout all sports. It is applied differently as all sports are different, but it is something that is a term all officials should know and figure out how to master and understand that mastering is still relative to how you do it, but results should be the same standard approach. Everybody should want the most fair game to be played fairly. So thank you, Curtis. I appreciate you. Anytime, and, brother. Yeah, man. This is a, anytime.
1: This is, this is a great conversation. You
0: know. Yeah, man. This was a good one. So I, that's it, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is the Beyond the Rules podcast and we are out.